three, two, one. 305, come alive. Best advice I can give you, start drinking heavily. You're listening to the Four Takes and Fuel podcast with Alex, Ethan, Chance, and Colton. Welcome back to another episode of Four Takes and Fuel, guys. My name's Alex. Ethan. Chance. I'm Colton. I'm Austin. And we are happy to bring another great guest to you guys this week. Um, David Smith with Cart Speed Solutions is coming and sit down with us, and we're really excited to hear him kind of give us, uh, you know, a technical side that we don't all get to see uh, in our sport. And it's it's kind of innovating and it's kind of changing the game. And, and we're really excited to hear what he has to say. But before we get into the episode, here's a word from one of our sponsors. This podcast was created by four guys that met at a local dirt track and created a lifelong friendship between the four of them. Located in Sterlington, Louisiana, Mojave is a dirt oval that offers kart racing for all ages. Age groups start at 5 and go up from there. If you're looking to get into dirt oval kart racing, you can find them on Facebook and Mojave Karting Complex. Definitely a family environment that will build memories for a lifetime and you never know who you can meet and the friendships you can build and we're proof of it. Yeah, we're proof. And uh, just go check them out on Facebook and we hope you guys enjoy. Are you looking for a high-quality, more affordable clothing brand for you and your race team? Look no further than Sublimited, that's S-U-B-L-M-T-D, as they offer crew shirts, hoodies, racing jackets, leather and fabric, full-body racing suits, and much more. Fully customizable kart suits start at $4.99, as well as fully customizable SFI 5 racing suits start at only $9.99. For more information, contact Laura Pender at 601-934-4073, where you can find them online at sublimatedapparel.com or on Facebook. When you reach out, be sure to let them know that we at Four Takes and Fuel sent you. All right, guys. So we're kind of going to break this episode off with uh, with some predictions for the Big O. You know, it's a crown jewel. It's one of the biggest races of the year, you know, if not the biggest race in karting. Uh, we're going to gonna talk about who we think is going to win. So, Chance, start us off with your prediction. Uh, that 811's been hot all year, man. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Shea Chavis and Matt Connell. There you go. What you got, Chance? I'm Chance. I just went. Oh, sorry, Ethan, <laughs> Ethan, 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 Ethan. All right. Well, uh, give me Fireball. Yep, going for a two peat. Two peat. All right. Who you got? Uh, uh e- Colton. <laughs> I've got Ay. Okay. I, mean, I don't think I'll go with Ay. What you got, Austin? Coming out of the gay swing and believing in my boy Meathead. Yeah, Chase. Chase. Yeah, one of the boys. Um, it's it's kind of a toss up, man. They they've had some. They've had it's been a been some some good runs for a lot of people here. So, but uh, I, I'm probably gonna say I'm gonna look for Cameron Carter to get his second. Solid pick. Yeah, I mean it's a little. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. You know, you won't win it. Freak creeping, I think, is what he used to say a lot back in the day. Yeah. So, uh, we will see. We'll see who's wrong. We'll see who's right after next week. Um, I'll be there, so I'll let you guys know. Uh, but so we'll go to, uh, some, some hometown racing here. Um, you know, uh, Mojave is racing, uh, this weekend, August 12th. Uh, so if you're, if you're wanting to go racing or in the, in the area and, and, and just want to go see some racing, Mojave will be racing this weekend as well as TC will be racing the weekend after, um, August 19th. I don't know weight rule yet. Right. Yeah, chance? I haven't. I haven't seen anything with weight. I'm assuming it's heavyweight, three seventy five. I would hope. 
I would hope because yeah. you, know, you know that will at least give me you know bigger guys a chance. You know, people who run medium and on up, and even a little bit of the super heavy guys like me, uh, a chance to race for it. But it's seven hundred fifty to win. Uh, open tire, will, correct? Two fifty guaranteed to second as well. And open tire, and, will, correct? Yes, and paying back to sixth place from the pot. So gotcha. third to six will be pot. Okay, uh, seven fifty guaranteed for winner. Fifty. 50, 50 is entry fee, I believe. Pretty sure that's what the entry fee is. Yeah. Um, TC apparently added dirt over the past two weeks, I believe. <clears throat> uh, Fruge sent me a Snapchat, and the track looked really good. I heard a lot of good things about it. Apparently, it was really fast. It was, I think, neighbors saw in the comments that it was four tenths faster than the last race. And he cleaned them up this weekend. Yeah, I saw. So, Jimmy, Jimmy I mean, four really tenths. Four tenths is a good chunk of change when it comes down to time, you know. So yeah, um, uh, but uh, you know, you know, like like you said, David. David kind of sent me a Snapchat too of it. It looked like the tracks coming together, and they're kind of figuring out what's going on with the dirt and uh, with better dirt and stuff. It should be better racing, um, especially with it being so hot. The track still looked really good. Yeah, because the last time I raced, one and two wasn't bad, but three and four was just wet, man. It was soaking wet, and it just there was holes and. I mean, when when the track's that wet, there's not much you can do about it. That's going to happen. But, I mean, I still had a great time. I, it's an hour away from home. It's somewhere to race, you know. Yeah. It was that wet, wet. It was wet. It's it very was very spongy. It was that Krug, Krug kind of night. Uh, yeah. Torch, son. Torch. I don't know on the whites. I don't know on the whites, though. I don't know if you torch the whites. We don't I, I'm, not, I'm not giving away no secrets. No secrets? Yeah, no secrets. I got seven fifty to win. That's, bro. that's for that. That's for that Discord. <laughs> All right. Man. So when y'all see Chance's trailer just hooked up to a tow truck on that Saturday night, <laughs> I don't know who did it, but it definitely was not me. No, I'm just. But he is not getting that seven fifty. Yeah, we don't know if we're going to the casino or going to the race. It's Austin's birthday weekend, so he gets to pick and let us know what uh what we're doing. Uh, so Austin, you know, what, what are we gonna do, buddy? Honestly, I mean, to, to be quite frankly honest with you, I really don't want to do anything. But if I had to choose, I'd probably want to go race some more. Because I right, bet um, everything's getting ready. I'm getting everything ready for the race because <laughs> I'm ready to go racing again too. So, <clears throat> so uh, Chance has some uh, some exciting news for his racing deal. You know, he's retired. He retired. You know, came back, retired again, sold everything, but now he's kind of acquiring some more stuff now, huh? Yeah, got a trailer, man. Finally, we've been racing the past two and a half years with. No trailer. Well, it's been an open trailer. It's, yeah, it's still, it's but it's my grandma's like, trailer. You know, yeah. it's the first. It's hey, the dude. trailer we started racing on, like in two thousand two. Yeah. Hey, listen, listen. Kevin Windham used to come out the the bed of his truck at those outdoor nationals and bust everybody's ass out the bed of the truck, and then load up and go home. And everybody's riding with the factory eighteen wheelers and stuff. So yeah, I mean, I know it's just so it's nice to have a trailer to keep. All my stuff, you know, especially when y'all got that rainstorm at TC a couple weeks ago. Exactly. That was horrible, man. That yeah. was so bad. But yeah, excited about that. Finally got something to get to the track with did, ease. Did Brett meet y'all or y'all went out? Y'all went uh, he drove a little bit south. We met in Brookhaven. Oh, that's not which, bad. It's probably about three yeah, hours. no, that was that was no, it was about two and a half. For my house, it was two and a half hours. Oh, true. Yeah. So we'll kind of transition into a topic that Ethan was pretty passionate about from this weekend. Uh, so we'll go ahead and give the mic off to Ethan. All right. So 
for all of you NASCAR fans, and I'm assuming I know who your favorite driver is if you're a Chevrolet fan. Uh, he's got to get it together. All okay. Right. I he, mean, I wouldn't say all that. I mean, any, I'm pretty sure ma- majority of our listeners, if they're a Hendrick fan, they're probably a Larson fan. Larson fan. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Well, sorry. The the guy driving the Napa number nine needs to get get it rolling because he's got three weekends left to uh, to to lock Make in fifty five points, which ain't happening. He's not doing it by points. He's got to win. No, oh, he's got to win. Because or everybody else has to wreck like this. You can't yeah, I mean, see it, but my fingers are crossed that he does not get in the playoffs. Off of principle. Yeah, I just don't like that oh, guy dude. too much. <laughs> NASCAR's ratings are gonna crash then. Oh uh, yeah. Well. Yeah, no one's gonna watch. Well, I mean, championship four race, you know, oh Chase Elliott isn't in there, you know. All of a sudden, uh, you know, nobody's gonna watch. But hey. We're we're gonna see uh, last year with Austin Dillon. Watch. He's gonna miraculous they're gonna they're gonna turn the sprinklers on. The track's gonna get wet. The whole field is gonna crash. Chase Elliott is gonna somehow be last place because of a bad pit stop. It's gonna miss everyone wrecking. Then by the end, then it's gonna rain out with their sprinkler system. And then on Monday, there's gonna be five cars left, and Chase Elliott versus all the Rick Ware cars. My God, Chance! I <laughs> I, I really enjoy. I I truly enjoy the in depth. Yeah, I mean, that was of, that was your, that was yeah that was very thorough. Stuff. Yeah, that was yeah. that was very thorough. Appreciate but, that. Yeah, I should probably put that bet in right now, shouldn't I? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. definitely put uh definitely put Cole Custer or Ryan Newman, whichever one's in the fifty-one, to lock in a top ten finish, though. Gotcha. Be like the guy last year that banked in on all the 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 thirty-sixth to forty fortieth place cars finishing in the top ten and won a mm-hmm. million dollars off of ten bucks. Yeah. Yeah. But. Something really cool. I mean, RFKs, uh, you know, back to back wins. Uh, they're running excellent. I mean, I think that's their uh, their tenth combined top five this year. You know, uh, I think they have like 15, 20 top tens. Uh, so that's 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 Brad's really turning that team around. He's got Absolutely. that got that thing kicking. It also, yeah, he came. I feel like he came in at the right time with the new car and how everything's kind of balanced and even yeah kinda. like look, everyone's still figuring Eric it jones out. was top three for a while today man he, that was the first time they really showed speed all year yeah and yeah. then and then poor 442 car curse i don't know what's wrong with that car man it's definitely got to be the car it, it has to, no, it has be. to be the number man it has to be the number that just you get canceled and 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 kicked out of NASCAR. Apparently, I. I... Well, Ty Dillon was in it last year. Yeah, no, Ty Dillon was in it last it. year, and but like the same thing from last year. You know, Eric Jones wins at Darlington. He's fighting top ten, top fifteen. Should have won. Should have won Talladega, but he left that door wide open for Chastain. Right, yeah. and meanwhile, Ty Dillon's in the back. You know, playing with his toy cars. Because he's non-competitive by the pace laps, and yeah. and he's still doing that. Hey, well, yeah, hey, 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 hey. I I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> I'd be Ty Dillon any day right now. Oh yeah, yeah. Same, same. No, I I would want to do way better than him. Obvious, what what thing he's doing. Yeah. It's easy for us to say that, but uh, you know, I'd I'd love to be racing a NASCAR. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I, I agree. Like I don't, I would love to be anyone in that field, but it. I would be stupid to say that I can't see that he doesn't deserve to be there. Yeah. 
I, I mean, I don't like to say that, but like, come on, bro. You have done nothing. Yeah. Nothing. So, well, uh, we'll kind of wrap it up and uh, we will uh, get on into the interview, guys. Uh, we are really excited about this one to uh, hear the the side that you, you you don't you hear about it, but you never get to to really get enlightened on what's going on with it. And it just it's just a bunch of graphs and stuff. So we're really excited to hear David break it down for us and and really explain it. So uh, without further ado, guys, here's Mr. David Smith. David, I greatly appreciate you taking the time out on your Monday to come sit down with us. But before, you know, let's go all the way back. You know, how, who, and when did you get started in racing? Well, guys, I want to say thank you for, for having me on. Uh, again, I really appreciate it. So how did I start in racing? Um, so I started, I started in August of 1990. Uh, my uncle was really into racing like drag racing and that kind of thing. And I remember my dad, me and my dad were going to the movies on a Saturday and we stopped by my uncle's house and he was watching kart racing on ESPN. You know, some kind of like road course racing, I can't remember. And he looked at me, he was like, well, how do you like to do that? And I was like, sure, you know. Well, like I had a yard cart and we'd ride around the neighborhood. And I was like, yeah, man, that sounds awesome. Well, little I knew about, about five, six weeks later, we're riding up the Souls Car Shop in Lower South Carolina, mm-hmm. and he bought a Coyote Free Roller. And, and within a few weeks, we were at a Four Way Raceway uh, in Loris uh, mm-hmm. at our first race. Man, see, uh, seems like a long time ago, but then again, it doesn't seem that long ago at all. Actually, yeah, you can remember <laughs> a bunch, yeah, and just the years just fly by when you're having fun. It's it's amazing. Like I can't remember what I ate yesterday for lunch, but I can tell you what tires we ran back then, all kind of stuff. Yeah, it's crazy It's crazy the things we remember. But it, it, it's, the simpler it is, I guess we kind of slips our mind, but the stuff that we really put our minds to, we, we don't forget. So uh, what, what what would your age be around at this time? Uh, I was nine years old. Nine years old, okay. Yeah. So we, we had Jamie on last week. He started around 1991. Did you ever get to – did you ever run with him being in that area? Okay, so so no, I don't remember Jamie until late nineties. Um, and to be honest, the first time I remember hearing his name was at Daytona. Mm-hmm. I think it was like the last year we went to Daytona, which was ninety seven. Um, back, back in the I heat of the heyday. But I, I never knew him personally. I didn't meet Jamie until like two, three years ago. Really? Oh I wow! Help him, but I never like we never liked him first. Gotcha. Yeah. And it, it's uh it's funny that you, you said that you, you had you had like a your family had sort of a, a drag racing background. Kind of when we talked to Josh, he had a sort of a, a drag racing background, but y'all went to go-karts. Well, did you did you never wanted to pursue the drag racing or well so 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 I, I say my family had a drag racing background, but it was really my uncle. So my dad was really into music. Like mm-hmm. he played rock and roll bands like the way I grew up. Like when I was five years old, I would go to nightclubs with him and help him set up like his drums and PA equipment and stuff like that. So my dad was never really into racing. It was just really my uncle. Gotcha. And when my uncle was like, you want to try it? And my dad was like, sure. 
And then once we started racing, my dad really fell in love with it. Um, so I never really got a chance to do any drag racing. Uh, I think my uncle, at the time, he was really into – he did drag racing, but he started getting more into, like, the NASCAR side of it, like late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. He was a huge Davey Allison fan. And so naturally, I became a Davey Allison fan. Um, so, yeah, I, I never really got a chance to kind of do any kind of drag racing. So, well, I guess it's kind of a good thing. You kind of came to the karting side and was able to do all this stuff that we'll get into later instead of going to the yeah. drag racing side. We appreciate you not uh, going to do some drag racing. <laughs> <laughs> I've done some street racing, but not, not drag racing. Uh, yeah. I'm sure my, my dad, my dad would have wished you would have went to the drag racing side, but that, that's how I got into it. My dad was big, big in the drag racing and he stopped when I was born. And then we picked up, we were actually looking into junior dragsters and my grandma mentioned a go-kart track five minutes down the road. And that's all she wrote, man. Been go-kart racing since then. Dude, those junior dragsters are crazy, man. Some of those, like I was talking to, to a buddy of mine, Mike Edwards, his son was really into junior dragsters. And they, he said they would do, he could, he could do the eight in like, in like seven, one, seven, Golly. two, and the yeah. eight. That's crazy. Yeah. If that's super crazy. About it, that's absolutely Junior yeah. dragster. <laughs> yeah. With like a 10-year-old kid behind us. Man, it's <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> All right, man. So uh, who would you say is your like biggest role model in your early days? Who who taught you the most about go-karting in the beginning? Like who, who really helped you out? Well, I mean, like I got to give props to my dad. Uh, he really taught me a lot about work ethic. You know, um, whenever – whenever we started racing, it didn't take him long to get into building engines. Mm-hmm. So he got me like tearing down engines and cleaning them during the week. So I got to give him props to that. Cause he kind of really taught me, you know, what you got to do week in and week out, you know, to be fast or to be competitive. Um, but when it comes to like the technical, technical side, like especially when it comes to chassis and turning left and all that stuff, I have to say Chris Prince, uh, is probably the number one, um, Warren Smith, um, and Ronnie Childers. Ronnie really? Childers, really, really awesome. That's really I, cool. I, we we know he's he was a go kart racer back in the day. I, yeah. I think he he talked about it a lot on Dale Junior Download back mm-hmm. a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so that yeah. was pretty. I didn't know that until that episode, and I, I thought that was because he started naming like Mark Mode, and I was like, well, I know you know I know those names. Yeah, he was so, Mark's yeah, house so, driver. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in around 93 to about 97, 98, he was the bee's knees mm-hmm. in GoFaris. Like, he kind of went from, y'all know a name, like, y'all know Ron Moon? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He used of to course. build engines. <laughs> yeah. So, Ron Moon was like the cat's meow in like the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. But then he kind of in the mid 90s, he kind of, I think he took a hiatus and kind of went to car racing. Okay. And kind That's- of Ronnie Childers kind of picked up the, the torch, per se. Yeah. Um, my relationship with Rodney was actually through Warren. So Warren was the other factory driver for Mark at the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I became really good friends with Warren. And so I started, you know, traveling with Mark uh, and Warren and them. You know, for I would say probably about a year and a half, two years. Um, and I really learned a lot from Warren 
Rodney. Uh, cool story. I was, it was the 96 in Daytona. We were on a 007. Marcus came out with a 007 that year. Mm-hmm. And the first day we raced, uh, I actually ended up not getting a chance to race because we qualified third, third, fourth, and fifth, somewhere around there for the main. Come across scales and I was a pound light. Really? Oh, really? Oh, that hurts. Back then, yeah, dude. Because back then it was like in I think juniors it was like 180 entries. So mm, when you make oh, that yeah. team, it was like, oh my gosh. So, so I remember being devastated coming back to the trailer and Warren wasn't really happy with the way the car was running. So he talked to Rodney. Rodney came in my trailer and they took a smart tool and they adjusted the front caster in the go kart. I'll never forget it, dude, because he was in there and we were talking about what the go kart was doing. And so he rolled some caster in the front and changed the kingpin to kingpin. And we went out the next time, which was a couple of days later, uh, and the go-kart was like rolling. It was, was that, so fast. Was that kind of like your first like like in like introducing to, to working chassis wise stuff? It wasn't my first. It was but, my first introduction to front end geometry. Front end geometry. Because yeah. before then you couldn't really move none of that stuff. All that stuff was fixed. If you wanted to change camber, you had to have a whole another set of spindles. So gotcha. Me and my dad weren't really big on that at the time, so we only had like one set of spindles and a backup set of spindles. Mm-hmm. So that was like my first introduction to, oh man, you can like just change the way that the the spindle sits on the go kart and yeah. the whole go kart changes. Like KPI so and all that stuff. Really yeah, man, it was like it was pretty rad. Yeah, especially being with a team like that, you know, and and, and you know who would have thought, you know, what Rodney's became and, and done, and that's really cool to have those stories that a lot of people probably don't. Yeah, because I feel I feel like a lot of young people right now don't understand what go karts were like in the '90s, you know, because we didn't have all those crazy adjustments that we do now. That's second nature to us, you know, which you can do in less than a minute, you know. Dude, I mean, I've been to nationals and I've watched Warren and Rodney take a seat off a go kart and slide it all the way to the right and put the mount seat back, like mm-hmm. between practices. To try to move left because you had to that's that's your adjustment i mean we changed tires don't get me wrong we had different compounds and stuff but it wasn't like the chemical game like it like it is now you know what i'm saying so like you had to make mechanical grip and you had to make changes like all the time at the, at the racetrack yeah and you, you had to figure out anything that you could try and get an a advantage on that somebody else didn't have so you're trying every it's it, that was really and kind of i guess you'd say like the pioneer stage of things with chassis adjustments and trying to move things and figure out what works where and what how it does it, it was it i think now granted i'm pretty sure guys that started like car racing in the 70s and 80s probably would disagree because i mean I guess we all look back at the when we started racing. It's like, oh, it's a golden age of racing. Yeah. Um, but I really do think like the the early '90s to late '90s was like the really the golden era of car racing because you just had so much innovation happening in a, such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Like you went from like having straight rail go karts that they ran on road course and dirt, running D wedge in the front to Oh, now you have offset go karts that once they came out, you couldn't run straight rails with offsets. Like it, you might as well not show up to the racetrack. Yeah. Then to turn around and to have, um, you went from small tubing to big tubing, and once you got a big tube, you go, oh, you can't run small tubing, you can't compete. And then mm-hmm. it went from big tubing to front end adjustments from camber 
the, the caster, then the AV1 came out where you could do all of it, you know? Yeah. Was, and it was just like really, like really, really fast. Definitely. I, I think it's kind of all caught up to us. So now that even the smallest bit of advancement, you like, cause there's, we've kind of hit a point to where we we've maxed out our capacity on our go-karts. I feel almost, uh, you know, you can move tubes around and you can do different thicknesses and all that now, but, uh, Definitely, if you can find like one little small adjustment, it just makes it that much bigger. Yeah, I think I don't know if I wouldn't say that. Well, it's kind of hard to say, right? Because at one end, you go, well, "What else can you do?" Right? And that's how. But, I, at, one, I, but at one I point, you were kind of like that too, you know? Yeah, like at some point, man, I'm pretty sure in the '80s they felt the same way. Yeah. And at some point, somebody's going to come out with something, and you're going to go, "What?" Mm-hmm. And now. All the go karts going to be made that way, you know. Like, like, okay. For instance, look at the um in the early two thousands, the Nemesis, right? Mm-hmm. That was the first one that came out with the front hoop mm-hmm. or what I call the front axle in the shape that it is now. Now everybody does that, and very rarely do you see anybody deviate from that or the or the shortened waistline of the go kart, where from it from the front axle to, to the front seat bar, how yeah. it's been shortened up a good bit. Now you're your feet are in the, the front end in the of the nose. Yeah. yeah. I mean, things like that, man. You never know when somebody comes with something, somebody puts a double loop in a bar, and all of a sudden, <laughs> now you can't race without it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what was some of the, you know, we kind of just talked about it a little bit, but what was some of the biggest learning curves for you in your early years? You know, kind of going from the local to being able to go race at Daytona, you know, what was some kind of the bigger learning curves for you? Um, well, I tell you, so this is it was a two-edged sword. So when I started racing, uh, back then we had like rookies and it was purple plate flathead. And I really, I really it came to me pretty easy at the beginning, right? And as a nine-year-old, you're like, oh man, racing's awesome. Because we were winning just about every single weekend when we win. You know, it, it didn't take us long to start winning. So as a nine-year-old, you start thinking, oh, man, good car race is pretty easy. You know, and that's kind of how it was for, like, my rookie years. Like, I mean, we went a couple years without – I don't think we lost a race. And if we did lose a race, it was only, like, once. And we were going every single weekend. Like, out of a 52-week year, we probably went 49 weekends. Like, you had, that's that, how you much, had an East Coast like, schedule. Yeah, dude, like, every weekend. And then when we moved to juniors – um, yeah, you kind of, I kind of got sucker punched a little bit, and we went about two years without winning a race. And in those two years, man, oh, it was really tough. And at the time, I really hated it. I really, truly hated it. But I look back, man, and that's probably the greatest experience I ever had because it that's what prompted me to start going, well, how do we get faster? Mm-hmm. You know, because we, we want to, to lose all the time. So, that's when I kind of started talking with Chris Prince and, and he ended up coming to my house uh, one day uh, and we were, it wasn't our first offset good car. Our first offset good car was an Oval Express where it was just offset in the front. Mm-hmm. We were on our second one, which the, the, which was another shadow and it was offset in the front and the rear. And he came over to our, to our shop one afternoon. And that's where I learned about left side weight and cross percentage and all that kind of stuff. Cause before that we were doing, you put 30 pounds more on the left rear than the right rear and you try to make the left front 
20 pounds heavier, mm-hmm. you know, so getting weight to transfer and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely tough to, to go from, you know, winning everything and you think, oh, you go to every race and you're just going to win it all. And then all of a sudden you kind of move up a little bit and then it's like, oh, whoa, we're not going to win every race. And then you got to kind of deal with that and, and learn how to take the adversity and put it to motivation, you know? Yeah. Cause it's, it's like getting punched in the stomach. It really is. Oh yeah. And I, I definitely have to say that this is one of the most forgiving sports, you know, like there's no, it's not, it's not a 300 lap race to where, Oh, if you have a bad first 50 laps or something like that, you can recover and get back in it. No, it's 15 lap, 15 to 20 laps and it's fast pace. It's fast pace. So it's very unforgiving. Yeah, it is, man. It's, it's one of those sports where it can make you feel like a king one weekend mm-hmm. and the next weekend will humble you to your knees. <laughs> I like, Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I like to say that that w- one thing that racing has done for me is it's uh it's definitely made me a good loser, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's it's told me how to be, and, and not saying that you just accept defeat and all that kind of stuff, but just how to deal with you know adversity and losing and, and having tough weekends and turning it around. Yeah, man, most definitely, most definitely, because I mean that's how that's how winning is done. This is the this is one of the sports where even the grace of all time. Well, okay, take Dale Earnhardt, right? Mm-hmm. Most people consider Dale Earnhardt the greatest stock car driver who ever graced the face of the earth. Even that man only won like 70 races. Yeah, right. I, mean, I, forgot, who, I forgot who it was, but Daryl Waltrip, his first race, he gave, he gave Dale a ride. He was like, they walked up to Daryl and said, if you ever put him back in a car, I'm going to punch you in the face. When, <laughs> when Dale Sr. Finally had his first start, they – that's where it comes, you know, you got to hit the pace car. Yeah. To hit everything or even, on the racetrack. Or even, you know, when when Dale Sr. drove for Hendrick, and if Dale didn't win that or place well, there would be no Hendrick Motorsports. Yeah. Way back when. Yeah. But, you know, going from those those worst weekends, those hardest weekends that teach you a lot of lessons, um, you also got your winning weekends. And, you know, as far as that goes, we all had those weekends where we are our most memorable and we were just curious you know which race single race or multiple races doesn't matter either way uh, what would be some of your most memorable wins and victories um hmm i was thinking about that one today so i would have to say my most my my most favorite and most cherished win it probably i wouldn't say it was the biggest but so Back when you, back when they had Daytona, right? Well, oh, they have Daytona now, but back then when you went to Daytona and then you had like, you know, five or six nationals a year, you had five or six state races a year. But then after that, you had like a lot of the, the tracks in the Southeast would run like a big money race and a big points race once a month, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest tracks was Conway. Uh, okay. yeah. and they would be the big 10 series and the big 10 series was always a big race. Like you would have like factory teams come out. You would have Todd Miller come out, you know, Olympic, you know, back then beef performance and all the people they had, like it was, it was a packed house. Like, I mean, it was the closest thing to a national that you can get outside of the national. Yeah. And the, uh, I think that year it fell on the new year's race. So everybody coming back from Daytona went there and, that year we didn't run that great at Daytona. That was my first year going, and we qualified like 
we were mid-package. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't nothing to write home about, you know? And we were a little like, uh, about that. But we got to Conway, and we unloaded the go-kart. And it was just one of those days where it's like you couldn't do any wrong. Like, I mean, as soon as you put the go-kart on the track, we didn't even realize how fast we were until, until one of our friends came up and said, you realize, like, you're like four-tenths faster than everybody. And, and we're talking about, like, a for a junior class, I think there was – there had to be over 30 go-karts. And you go, man, really? And so, sure enough, man, we qualified. I think we qualified on the outside pole at the time. And we uh, we ended up winning. Um, do you all know Jason Petty? Does that name sound familiar? It sounds Jason familiar, Petty. but I don't – Yeah, the double being the people's champ. He was uh, – he was really in with, with Phantom and Harold at the time. Okay. And I remember running a second behind him with the white flag come out. He uh he got caught by a lap cart going three and I took the lead and won it. And just the way it kind of transpired through the race, man, that race will always stick with me. That's yeah. like my top. Oh, yeah. such a good night, man. Oh, it was so glorious. That's really cool. I mean, because you know, like you said, I mean you know, racing was, was a little bit different back then. There wasn't all these classes and all this stuff. And then there was stout competition, no matter if it was like a regular race or, you know, national state, it was, everybody was going to all of them and it was, it was huge, you know? So definitely getting a win, a win at any race at any time back then was huge. Not, not taking anything away from this time period. Cause it's still very hard to do, but it was just a different kind of era back then. Yeah. It, it was just a different type of racing mm-hmm. back then. And man, you know, when we started racing, I remember somebody told my dad that if on the coast, if you're going racing, go race in South Carolina, because if you can hang with the South Carolina boys, you can hang with anybody. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, every all the races we did were mainly in South Carolina. So like, you know, to win in Conway, I mean, that's that was a big deal, you know. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <clears throat> so. So <clears throat> I apologize. So David, um, you know, all the big wins, the early beginnings in, in your racing, you know, with with Richard and and all those guys. But when when did that spark hit you to dive more into the technical side of karting? Okay, so this is going to sound a little, I don't know, cheesy. I don't know if that's the right word, but so. <laughs> Okay, so you remember me telling you about Chris Prince coming over to my house and showing me about Cross and, and Left and all that, right? So mm-hmm. at the time, nobody really had electronic scales, okay? We had to use bathroom scales. Yeah, and you had to use a notebook. Math, right? Because <laughs> yeah. electronic scales, like if you had electronic scales, then you were like you were like a big-time, big-time people, you know? So my dad was working – at GE at the time, and he had a dyno, and like I said, he built engines all the time, and he was really good at building engines, and he, he would um he would make, like, oh, man, I can't tell you how many times he would do, like, dyno runs. Well, he had a laptop, and Excel was starting to kind of become a thing, and they were starting to use the GE, so he made an Excel program for the dyno where, you know, he'd punch in the numbers, and this is the kind of horsepower you would get. And so he made one for the scales too. So you didn't have to like do math on the calculator. You just plug it into the Excel 
And I remember sitting back thinking, you know, how cool would it be to have a computer at the racetrack that you could just plug it in and it just tell you what to do? Yeah. And I remember very vividly having that thought going, man, wouldn't that be cool? And then I think it's funny because here we are now. Yeah. And then that, that, <laughs> was, that was the what, mid 90s, you'd say? Yeah, that was like early 94. mid, early mid 90s. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, I wasn't thinking about like race data or nothing, but like, you know, as a kid, you know, when you're like 13, you go, oh man, how cool would it be to just be like, and plug in what's going on with the go kart and the computer be like, oh yeah, you gotta do this. Yeah. And and so I guess, I guess that you, you'd say the name is self explanatory, you know, cart speed solutions. You're trying to solve problems that, yeah. you know, and, so, and yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. So fast forward, um, I kind of took a hiatus a little bit from racing. Uh, my dad started a business uh, in the automotive field. So I was helping him with his business, and I felt like God put it on my heart that uh, that car speed is something I should do. Uh, and my son, uh, probably about a year earlier, uh, yeah, no, two years earlier, kind of got into go-kart racing. So that's what kind of brought me back into go-kart racing. And I kind of felt God telling me this is what I should do. So that's kind of how it kind of evolved into car speed. And it's, it's really cool because it was something that we didn't have before. And now we do. And it's, uh, it was, there was, there was a vacancy part and you're filling it, man. And it's, it's really cool to see that come to, to fruition. Absolutely. So like, I, I mean, what, where'd you learn? these tools like what was that with your dad's job uh company did you did you learn how to use all these tools no, actually. so so again i'm a i'm a big believer that that when god calls you to do something he doesn't call the qualified he qualifies the call yeah right that's awesome and so in in and you won't believe this but when i was working at the shop with my father I used computers, but I didn't use the computers to like the, I mean, I would use Chilton Labor Guide and, and that kind of stuff. And I would use scan tools, like when you plug it into a car to like, you know, look at the EGR valve and that kind of thing. But I didn't like use like laptops and stuff like, like we do in racing. Mm -hmm. And so when my son got into it, you know, I got a Micron 5 and I just kind of was reading through the book and I was like, all right, well, you know, let's see what, you know, see what happens. So I got a laptop. And at the time, my wife had to show me how to do email. Uh, <laughs> crazy as that sounds. Um, and so we, uh, so I kind of started reading the book. I, I downloaded the program and I sent an email to Roger Cadell, which is the national training manager for AIM. Mm -hmm. And he's the one that trains IndyCar teams, Formula One teams, all the race engineers to use AIM software. And lo and behold, he responded, and he, he, he said, well, let's get together, you know, because we don't really have anybody in dirt car racing. You know, a lot of the road course guys use it, but, you know, there's only using Micron normally just for lap times and RPM, so let's, um, so let's get together. And so I ended up having um, about, I would say, six or seven one-on-one -on -one sessions with Roger Cadell. Mm -hmm. Each session probably lasted about three or four hours of him going yeah. through and showing me how to break down data, how to analyze it, how to apply it at the racetrack. And from my 
experience of kart racing and how a good kart feels when you're driving it, it just was natural. Mm-hmm. You know, it just kind of it just, just happened. You know, it all made sense. I've since, yeah, man. I, I've I've become really good friends with Roger. Man, he's a great guy. And uh, and if it wasn't for him, man, I probably wouldn't be able to do any of this stuff. Yeah, that's so, really cool to have have the guy that all the stuff you're working with really is is, is uh, sitting down and having those one on ones with you. That's really yeah, cool. man. It's because a lot of times, man, when they teach this kind of stuff, man, when you pay for like seminars, you're in a, like a like either a Zoom session or in a classroom with like thirty or forty other people, right? Mm-hmm. right? So it was really unique and special. Uh, it was it was a blessing from God to, to be able to sit down just one on one and just talk with him for like three hours about racing and what yeah. you see on the computer and how you get this and how you use these channels and when you see these when you see this this means this is happening and let's compare this and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's really cool because you know people digest things in different ways and different kind of teaching environments. So like one on one was was awesome. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, cart speed, you know, we got the name, we got where it started. Uh, what, what kind of services, just in case anyone's unaware with it, what kind of services do you guys provide? Uh, we do, um, a few different things. So we do, uh, data reports. It's like, not everybody wants to learn how to, to do data analysis. They're just like, Hey, I just want answers. Give me answers. Mm-hmm. I don't care about learning anything. I just want answers. So we do, um, uh, we do data reports. Like if you want to send me data files from a weekend. I'll break it down, put it in a report, tell you what it means. Um, we can do uh, trackside support where we come to the racetrack with you. When the go-kart comes off the racetrack, we pull data, analyze it, uh, see what the go-kart's doing, talk with you about changes and adjustments that need to be made, whether it be tires, air pressure, chemical, chassis adjustments, front-end geometry, however. Uh, we do test sessions um, where we'll uh, go to a track on a Sunday, um, put the go-kart in the most as much of a controlled environment as possible mm-hmm. um, and start, you know, doing runs. We can use sensors, you know, onboard tire temp sensors, steering sensors. Um, we have um, pedal position sensors, axle speed sensors, which work kind of like a, um, like wheel speed sensors in a race car. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we have different kind of math channels uh, to kind of – to to estimate load going to which corner, where. Um, so we can really dial in the go-kart. Um, we do webinars. Um, so we do a, a few different things. We're an aim dealer. So if you want your own data acquisition equipment, you know, we can definitely provide it for you and then help you along the way um, to get you up and running. So Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. You can do anything from, you know, immediate adjustments to, you know, either putting in the notebook that, Hey, this worked or, Hey, we need to change this for next time. That's, it's really helpful. And I saw y'all even do, you know, updates or anything like that for, for, uh, right. so, yeah. So your micron man is just like your laptop, right? You know how every few months you get an update for windows, mm-hmm. same thing with your micron. So aim is, is constantly trying to either offer new features or fix bugs or glitches. Yeah. So they'll they'll offer firmware updates every they do anywhere between two and four a year. Um, so you know we will help you with the firmware updates, but we also like we'll update the track database. Um, we'll set the parameters. Uh, we can form is make sure your files are organized because sometimes, man, as you guys know, when you're at the racetrack, 
you might only have five, 10 minutes before, you know, you got to go back out. And sometimes you got to wash tires, get them rewind bikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe change all the gear. Stuff. Yeah. Change the gear. All right. So you don't have time to fun, you know, to fumble around the computer trying to find the file you needed immediately. Yeah. So that kind of stuff is what we do when, whenever we get the microns in just to help you again, help it move faster and, and be more accessible to you. And something else I thought was really cool. Uh, you, you have a YouTube channel. So guys, if anybody's listening, make sure to go subscribe. It's great. And, I, I watch it almost is, every video. It, it, it's click, great. Yeah. Click the little bell. And so you actually brought something to light that I didn't think of. Uh, and, and maybe it's just slipped my mind. You know, obviously all the videos of, of all the, the technical points of carding is really cool, but you know, with your equipment, there was one specific video where it was like, this guy thought he was gear bound. I think y'all were at Southern Cartway. Somebody thought that they had too much gear in the car, but it happened to be because there was a bump oh, in the yeah. racetrack and the axle was speeding up. So he didn't really have to change mm-hmm. gear. It was because of the racetrack. Yes. Yeah. So that, that was actually, so that was Kevin. He's a, he's actually my best friend, man. I raced with Kevin for, I can't tell you how many years. Uh, and that was his little boy, Everett. Uh, he races in the same class as my son. And, uh, and you know, we were at Southern and he came off of qualifying. He was like, man, we turned like 6,300. Well, at Southern, uh, they don't have a junior three. They just have a junior one and a junior two. Mm-hmm. And the junior twos, in 20, right? So, you know, with our purple plates, we only want to turn them about 6,000, the max. So when he saw 6,300, he was like, oh man, we're gear bound, we're gear bound. And so we pulled a file, we downloaded the file, we took a look at it, and we were like, no, man, down the back straightaway, you're only turning like 5,900. You don't need to drop teeth. Yeah. And that's, that's where, man, data, sometimes, man, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't show you anything new. It just, it either, it shows you something new or it verifies what you already know, mm-hmm. or it saves you from making a bad decision because, he was taking bad information that he saw on his micron and it was about to make a decision on. Yeah. And I, I thought that was super cool. You were able to pinpoint right where the RPMs were right when it happened, show that on a good, like without the bumps, it, it was going to be fine. You make that decision. Your, you, your RPMs are going to show that they're good, but on the back stretch, you're going to be losing a, a bunch of power. Yeah. You go backwards. Yeah. yeah. And, and, so something I, w- I wanted to, t- there's a, there's, there's, I'm going to go one more thing to the YouTube channel, but then I wanted to jump to something else uh, really quick, but yeah, I just, awesome. I just thought it was really cool that, you know, some of your videos have, uh, you know, scripture at the end of them. I, I, I really thought that was, that was an awesome thing. Uh, Cause you know, in this world, it's kind of tough to do something like that. And I just, I wanted to, to say that was, that was something really awesome that I, I thoroughly enjoyed. So thank you for doing that. Thanks, man. You know, going back, to, to to feeling like God called me to come is that's how I fulfill the Great Commission. You know, yeah. that's how I I make God known in His plan of salvation through His Son Jesus. Mm-hmm. Known is through racing, right? So racing car speed is nothing more than a vehicle to do that. Yes, I totally agree. When you get down from all the hoopla, you know that's that's really what it's about. Yeah, I I think that's awesome. I think that's that's uh, yeah, that's really cool. But the uh, the next thing I wanted to get into for a second was, um, you know, with you doing this and your son racing, uh, does you know, 
is it is it tough to kind of balance you know the business side and still go and race with with your son jack right yes sir yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, absolutely yeah. it is a struggle it is because i don't want to take away from jack's time racing right mm-hmm. but on the, on the other side man when you're running the business you also have to be out there promoting the business and and with any business you try to to, to make revenue right mm-hmm. so so it's definitely like a balance in that. Um, I will say that I'm really blessed with Jack because Jack, he really digs racing. And I'm not talking about just the driving and racing on track portion of it. He like digs the whole enchilada. Like, um, okay, so I'll tell you sure. So last year, he, he had a rough day at school. I can't remember what happened, but he just had a rough day at school. And... So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna clean the axle, and I'll and I'll do his jobs out in the shop just to kind of give him an easy afternoon. He didn't talk to me for two days because <laughs> I did his job. He was doing my job. <laughs> and where I thought I was like trying to help him, like give you an easy afternoon, he was he was not cool with it. Okay. He was upset. He was really. Upset. I just made his day worse. How, yeah. how dare yeah. you? <laughs> how dare you? And I see he's kind. Of, he, go ahead. Yeah, you had. Oh, I see. He's kind of you know you posted on YouTube. He's kind of learning how to to read data and stuff like that. So I'm sure that's really cool to see. He's kind of following in those footsteps. Oh yeah, man. He he can break down his own data. He'll look, you know, like okay. So this past weekend we were at Southern Carway again, um, and he came off a of qualifying, and he was like, man, it is stuck. He was like, pull the data. He was like, I bet the lateral G's are like rolled over. Like and he was like sitting there waiting to look at it because he was like, I know it was pulled a lot of G's, especially on that. It is it was stuck. So like he he knows he is he is smarter about racing. And this is this is I will put my hand on the Bible. He knows more about racing now than I did when I was twenty five. Yeah. Wow. Man. That's yeah. the truth. That's awesome. Like he that knows is- he he can tell you about caster, camber. He can tell you what percentages to do. He'll tell you what adjustments to make when the track's biting up, what adjustments to make when the track is losing bite. He can pull data. He can he he knows all that stuff. Like he he used to make me <laughs> tests on carding stuff. That's awesome. See, I mean, I'm, that is, I'm not. That's awesome. that's that's awesome. Being such a young age and being so into to the sport is 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 what we need. Is what the sport needs. You know, younger kids getting into it and being deep in it. Yeah. Like Absolutely. He gets, uh, like he, I hope, man, when he gets older, well, you know, I, I want him to do whatever he wants to do, you know, obviously, but I really hope he becomes like a mechanical engineer or goes to school for engineering because he is, definitely has, like, he gets that from his mom. He really does because he is just <laughs> really the way he um, Well, okay, for example, he took Legos and made a vacuum engine. I don't, and not like the Lego kits. Like he found random Legos, made a piston, cylinder. Um, he made a differential for it. He made gears. He made throttle control. He made a centrifugal clutch out of rubber bands and Legos for wow, it. What? It up That's back. crazy. I will, Ethan, I will send you the video of it. So I took a please. video. I was like, please. Oh, please. Yeah, I was like, what is that noise? I was sitting on the couch watching TV, and it was like 9 o'clock at night. I was like, what is that noise? And I go looking around, and he's in the garage with the vacuum cleaner hooked up to it, 
like <laughs> revving it up. He put olive oil in the in the crankcase of it because he was like, "Yeah, the first Lego I melted in two. So I put the <laughs> That's said, awesome. Well, that's cool. Yeah, it's crazy. That I'm is- sure you were like, "Well, that's where all my olive oil's been going." Mama said that. That's awesome. So whenever you started, uh, you know, bringing these service, which by the way, I'm sorry, I had to walk away. My dog was freaking out at the back door with neighbor's dogs, and I had to go stop him before I could t- turn off my meat button. But, um, but no. So whenever you brought uh, your services to the Carden community, what was the reception like, and what was it like trying to uh, show the importance of your services to everybody? It was, I've not, a lot of, some were amazed. Others were very untrusting of it, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know, um, kind of like, um, okay, for instance, uh, you remember the story Aunt Lee told you about at Aner, Low Country? Yeah. Him coming off the track pulling data? Yeah. So, I was in the trailer pulling data on Antlers, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, and that was kind of one of my first I would say weekends out as official cart speed, right? Mm-hmm. And I look back and there's like 20 people around, like watching you all in Antley's trailer. Like I was, I was kind of like, oh, okay, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, you want me to say what I'm about to say in front of everybody? You know, but you know, so there was a lot of people that were very receptive to it. There was a lot of people that were kind of mm, unsure about it. Um, but since then though, man, I think people has, have really started to, to really, um, be open to it, you know, because again, you know, this is really new to dirt cars. Um, but you know, when you see it on TV and you see teams like Stuart Haas, Hendricks, you know, you watch the 24 hours of Le Mans or F1 and they got whole rooms with nothing but engineers, computers and data and all that stuff, man, it gets curious. You know, yeah. Get curious. Yeah. Get you thinking. Sure. You know, what can we do with with our sport? You know, if they're doing it, obviously they're they have you know different types of racing. But what can we do with ours? Something's got to trill down. Well, you know, it's obviously like in road course racing. You know, we're not doing right hand turns, but physics is physics. <laughs> you know, right. and how they apply on the go kart is the same. Now, we're able to do different things because we're only turning left, so we can take advantage of certain things that they can't, right? Yeah. Because they got to turn the opposite direction. You, we can cancel stuff out. Right, right. So, um, but I definitely, I, I tell people this all the time that, you know, going back to Stuart Haas and Hendricks, they don't race for fun, right? They race to make money because they're a business. Mm-hmm. And if they pump millions of dollars into this, then there's got to be something to it. Right, because they just don't spend money willy-nilly, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that that your clientele has really grown to a a big deal, even though even if you're not just a track side, you know, doing data analysis, the people you posted um, on your page, it's it's some some really big names that you've worked with, and it's taken off very well, it looks like. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, again, going back to, like, God has really blessed us. you know, we've worked with some really big chassis companies. Um, we've worked with a lot of big names. 
Some like to stay anonymous, which I get it, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, but others don't care. Like Austin Banker, yeah, that's the one I was. Yeah, yeah. He, he is a he's a big proponent of data. Like when he's one of the ones. Like when I showed it to him the first time, he was like, "I'm all in. This is <laughs> this is amazing." This is great. You know, um. So yeah, like it's a lot of the big teams uh, have gravitated to it because they start to see some of the, you know, because you're looking at the go kart. Through a microscope, really, is what you're doing, mm-hmm. you know. And in a lot of the chassis companies, they like it because now they're able to see things that were, I don't want to use the word assumed before, mm-hmm. but for the most part was because you couldn't, like when you put tire temps, you could only see them after the good part made its run. Well, now, man, you could do tire temps around the whole racetrack every tenth of a foot. I can tell you how much. You know, temperature of tire is increasing or decreasing. You know, I can t- tell you how much estimated load is going there. I can tell you how much. Uh, okay, so I'll tell you a story. I had a, uh, I'm not going to use names, okay, but I had a really renowned driver, okay, that we were doing some work with. And, you know, he felt like the go kart, the front end was, was darty, you know. Which the go kart was, it was go kart was all over the place, right? Come to find out that it, it wasn't that the front end was darty, it was that he was having to give it more, more steering input. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, it's easy to know, like when you're pushing like a freight train, like, oh, I'm having to give it all the steering wheel. Okay. That's obvious. But when you start breaking down tents of, of a steering, uh, of, a, of a degree of steering angle, then that's not so obvious. And come to find out, he was giving it double the steering angle. Now, we're only talking five degrees versus, you know, two and a half degrees. But he was having to give it more, and come to find out, it's because it was shoving the nose. And once he gave it more steering angle, that's when the go-kart finally responded. And then when it responded, he had too much steering wheel in it and started this vicious cycle of chasing Fighting. the front of the nose. Yeah. 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 And we're at a point in our sport to where it's thousands. It's not tenths anymore. It's thousands. Straight up. And like, if I can go to a test session and you pick up, you know, five hundredths to a tenth, man, that's a great day. Mm-hmm. That is a really good day. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, if you learn how to, what the go kart reacts to, right? Because, you know, in test sessions and stuff, yes, you, you want to find speed, right? Because that's the end all be all. But, you also want to see what the go-kart responds best to, right? What adjustments. So when you go, if you know, like, for instance, the go-kart is kind of numb to cross, but responds really well to left side percentage, and you've seen that on data where that's evidence that it does that, when you go to a race next time and you need to either lose bite or add bite, you know, you're no longer going to be like, well, maybe we should change cross or maybe we should be right for camber. No, you're going to go immediately to what the go-kart reacts to the best, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, Learning, learning the go kart, learning you know its tendencies and characteristics, and and you've definitely taken the guessing game out. You know, you've you put it so you know, and you're you're only you, you have, don't you have like a team or is it just you? Um, so it is okay. So so it's me and my wife in in Jack pretty mm-hmm. much. So um, I do have uh like drivers that I sponsor. Like I I sponsor Austin. Uh, I sponsor, you know, Randy Garner. Um, mm-hmm. So I do have drivers that way. Uh, but as far as like the car speed team thing, yeah. it's just me, my wife, and Jack. 
Okay. Yeah. I, I thought you might have had a helper at one point. I don't, I couldn't remember. Uh, but you know, you can't be everywhere at, you know, every point. Um, and, but you're also taking away that guessing game. Is there any thought of trying to expand to, to, to try and get this technology out? Or would you try and do like a, like a distributor of like, get like people buying underneath you, you know? Well, so, so I'm all about teaching. Like I, I love, I love to watch people grow. Right. And to expand, you know, that's just, that's just where my heart is. So like, parts be like, we have webinars. Like if, if you wanted to come and be like, Hey man, you know what? I don't, I don't care about people just telling me what the answers are. I want to be able to learn this myself. Sign up for a webinar. And I do exactly pretty much what Roger did with me, which is a one-on-one webinar. We kind of start going through the basics of how to do it. You know, so I haven't really thought too much about, you know, expanding to having like, you know, um, other people franchise out cart speed per se. Um, I, I think we're still on the, the early stages of that. Uh, maybe one day, you never know what God, you know, has waiting around the corner. Um, but as of right now, I haven't really considered franchising or do anything like that per se. Gotcha. So, so David, you know, moving back towards, you know, your, all the technology that you, you you have, you know, with your existing customers, you know, what's it like working with the chassis manufacturers on prototypes, you know, where it's, it's new builds, not current builds that you're trying to, to better. Um, that's a difficult question. Um, well, you know, it's not, it's not too terribly different than working with individual race teams. Um, because, okay. So taking a step back, everybody has a different philosophy in racing, right? Where, you know, in racing, it's not like the Bible or Bible. The only way to heaven is through Jesus in racing. There's many different ways it's going to cap. Right. And in chassis designers are the same where like, you know, Chassis manufacturer A might feel like the fastest to make a go-kart is it needs a slight push on exit. You know, that's how you get as much forward drive as you can is have a very, very, very small push on exit. Other chassis manufacturers, you know, believe that, oh, man, we need to load the right front heavily to lighten the the load on the right rear to keep the go-kart free and have it cut and turn. And that's how you make a go-kart fast. So whenever you go with, you know, different companies have different – like I said, uh, philosophies behind them. And so they, a lot of them will, they do certain things, you know, that are similar between all of them, but they also do certain things that are very unique in the way they kind of approach their test sessions. And a lot of times with chassis companies, they're looking for information. Like for instance, like Premier has Robin Bradshaw. Robin Bradshaw is extremely intelligent, right? Mm-hmm. So what Robin is looking for is he's looking for for information. Yeah, he's out. He's looking to see what the good card did, what you know, when it does it, and all that stuff. You know, same thing with like you know Scott Williams, the Charger. He's looking, you know, for certain things. And so, where it's different between working with race teams, like race teams, you know, might ask, you know, well, you know, what kind of adjustment can I make? Well, there's not really a whole lot of adjustments I can tell with Scott Williams or or Josh Antley or 
Robin Bradshaw or these guys, they don't already know, mm-hmm. right? So, so it's it's on on that aspect of it, it's it's more just providing information, you know. Okay. So. And and now, do you? But I don't know if that answers the question. I yeah, guess. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, of course, you know, you've done a great job of explaining, you know, how you know the existing racer or the racer, you know, benefits from um from from cart speed but you know just when when antley brought it up you know with the with his new chassis i just was curious on to how it's different for a new build rather yeah. than you know an existing existing customer and existing chassis well you know right so i will i will say this is that i think where data is really helping chassis manufacturers is what used to take them a year to figure out you know, because they had to go to the racetrack five or six times with a chassis design. Now they're finding out in about four hours. That's awesome. You know, because now they're able to go in and be like, saving a lot of time and resources. Right. I had to try three different drivers. Did they all, all that time where now would think you kind of are taking the driver out of it? Now we're looking at just facts on, okay, well, how much angle do you have to put to it versus, this person and this person is it the same you know what what is the driver doing and then so it helps you kind of start looking at like hard information that takes it out it's not because everybody because my definition of loose and what i feel is loose might be different you know it's all it's all relative to the person right so now with looking at data now we can go okay well if you remove the driver aspect from it, what is a good card doing consistently? Mm-hmm. And then is that fit what we're trying to design it to do? And then once you design, once you get it to fit the mold of what you want it to do around the turn, then you introduce the driver and go, okay, well, how does that feel to you? And then you start, you know, it just, then you start kind of massaging it to get the feel for the drivers like they want. Almost like or, a tailor. I guess a general feel. Like a tailor, you know, right. you're getting a, making a suit fit good to the person. You know, you gotta, it, you know, suits fit everybody different, but you gotta make that one fit right. good to the person. But, but do you think, right. you know, and, say, I, and, and again, I think it really does speed up the process. Yeah, and have like working with some of these chassis manufacturers and having that time with them. Do you think that you know broadens, you know your horizon on being able to help anyone with any different chassis. I mean, obviously data is data, but learning what these chassis manufacturers are trying to do with these go-karts, you know, can you bring that to them and be like, Hey, look, this is how this chassis works. And you know, that off of, you know, your notebook that working with them. Absolutely. So, so everybody's different, right? Everybody likes different feels and every, no setup is the same. Like for instance, I can put a setup in Ethan's go-kart and Ethan might be crazy fast with it, and I turn around and put it in Alex, and because your body type is different, the way you sit and the way you feel a good part, the setup is going to be different. However, because I, I know what the intent was when the chassis was designed and what the chassis is designed to do, it makes it much easier to be able to find comfortable setups that are fast for yeah. the uh, for the customers. You know, it, it's... You know, a lot of times I see people struggle with go-karts. Like, you, you see it all the time where, you know, and I, I've been in this boat too. Like, I, I'm not excluded from this list of people where you get a, a go-kart 
and you just can't make it go, man. You're like, no matter what tire I put on it, no matter what I do, the good bird just don't want to go. And it feels good. It's just another slow. team. It's just slow. Or then yeah. you see another team like two pits down, and they're winning every race with the same good bird. And you go, you know, I know it's fast. I'm watching it, you know. And it's because that go kart and the way it's made and the philosophy that it's made doesn't really fit what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, it doesn't fit your strengths. It doesn't fit your tire program. It doesn't fit what you like to do with, with the tires. And either A, you got to adjust, you know, your tire program to fit the go-kart, or you have to get a go-kart that fits what you like to do. Probably a little sense? bit. It's probably a little cheaper to, to fit the tire program to the go-kart. I mean, so you make that decision wisely. You know, you kind of do a little research before you buy a chassis. <laughs> yeah, so like, you know, that's – that's what I tell people all the time, man. Just really do some research. Really kind of look into before you just switch chassis or you know. I know it's 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 very tempting in racing when something new comes out. You go, ooh, you know, and it's winning everything. You, know, you go get it. It's new, it's new, right? Yeah. But to to really evaluate what what the go kart's designed to do and does it fit what you believe in? Yeah. And so, um, you know, it, it, it goes back to, you know, Micron five and the, the five you're able, you, you do most of the readings and stuff on, but, um, you know, how, how has that been to, to be able to do that and offer that service at, to where you're not having to be at the racetrack, you know, you're not split apart so much. They get sent to you and you get to do it at your home. You know, how, how has that been? Stay that one time. I missed the first part of the question. I apologize. Oh, you're good. So. You know, with the Micron Five, uh, it's it's the newest Micron. Uh, being not being able to be everywhere at once, but offering the service of being able to mail them and ship them into you, and you do the data analysis, and you'll be able to send that back with the customer and stuff. How how has that you know, how has that been, and 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 how helpful has it been to to not feel like you're being stretched thin to where you can people can come to you instead of you having to go trying to block a schedule up. Dude, it's yeah, so it's it's pretty amazing. So. Because you can you can download the file out of the Micron and email it, right? I mean, I've been able to help customers in in Canada, in California, Kentucky, Texas, Nebraska, and and a lot of times, you know, you data comes in, you break it down to what the good part's doing, you know, and then you send it out, and and it's really helped me grow because now I'm seeing. You know, go-kart racing, like, one, up until a few years ago, I didn't really realize they had go-kart racing in Canada. You know, it's it's the thing in Canada. Like, I mean, they have a prominent go-kart scene. You know, that's, that's, uh, I would say it's, it's been easy because it is, you know, through, through email. So I don't feel like I'm going all over the place. You know, and I can I can really um, shape my schedule. I guess mm-hmm. is the best way to say. And my time management does make it easier. But it's also been awesome because I've been able to do things that if I wasn't able to to email files and stuff like that, it would be I wouldn't have those opportunities. Yeah, you're, you're making connections with people across the country and, yeah, and still being able to make connections with. You know? Yeah, and, and still being able to help people and get that data to them without having to be at the racetrack. You know. Yeah, which I think I think is super cool. It's uh, 
it's definitely man, it's, and it's really cool to learn how kart racing differs depending on what area of the country you're from and what kind of dirt and how the dirt changes and how you know their dirt you know reacts differently to the dirt here on the coast and yeah. different things you have to do to go kart to make it work. Which is funny. Which is funny you say that because you did come down to a racetrack around us. It was Mojave. You came with Rodney. Yo, and, yeah. And uh, you know what? I just kind of what you think about that. You know, that's, that's kind of where, that's that's where we race a lot now. So it, you know, talking about the different aspects of dirt and how they race. Dude, okay, so I'm not gonna lie. Like at Mojave uh, last year, um, I really didn't think we were gonna get a race in. I was like, <laughs> man, how how buddy the track was. I was like. I don't think this is happening. And then, like, I think didn't like the the, the uh, a few hours they were having something go wrong with the spindle or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, anyway, they had to fix the motor, so it took like a few extra hours before they could get it out there to do something. And I was like, yeah, I don't think this race is going to happen. But dude, once they cut it, man, that track got hard, got like really hard. I was I was pretty amazed. But yeah. um, yeah, it was it was definitely an experience. Um, it I. I learned a little bit because I didn't think the track would have gotten as good as it did. And which kind of threw me for a loop because I was like, oh, yeah, man, when you get on some goat, you know, and start just fucking <laughs> tired and stuff. And before you know it, I'm like, you got to get off that, man. Tired of <laughs> squalling before you even hit the turn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Broke every single track record that weekend. You, and it, yeah, you would have never thought it six hours earlier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. So, when did you make the decision to get your son into karting, and uh, how has that been so far? So, um, the believe it or not, it was my father who taught me into getting Jack into cars. At the time, he was really into soccer, and I think he was he was eight, seven. He was seven, and he. Uh, I remember us going to lunch, and Dad was. Hey, let's get Jack in the car race. And I was like, all right, well, you know, let's, let's see if he likes it. Cause I was very much of the, just because I like something, I'm not going to push it in to do it. You know? So I took Jack to a, to, I took him, I took him to a car race first. We went down to, um, a place in Dublin, North Carolina called the Rattlesnake. Mm-hmm. And, um, we went to a dirt car race and in the, in the, um, in the late model race, there was a big wreck on the front straightaway, and a guy got out of the race car with a steering wheel and chased another driver <laughs> down the front straightaway. Was that, his name Joe Logano? After that, Jack talked about that for like three weeks straight. He was like completely hooked in the race. So then I took him down to Southern uh, for him to watch a go kart race. After that, he was like, "Yep, want to do it." So we got him a go kart, and you know, it's it's been it's been wonderful. I, I think it's what's been so good is just because how much how into it he is. You know, mm-hmm. again, going back to the like, he loves the actual racing on the track. Don't get me wrong, but he is like consumed he's with all just of it. all about yeah the aspect of it, which has made it easier for me to do car speed because you know I can go to the racetrack and help customers. And Jack will be in the trailer, wiping tires and making his own tire decisions. And that's so he cool. can go out or whatever. And how old is he? He's uh he 
just turned well he turned 14 in november oh man that's Fair. that's impressive man it, that's very bad at that age and I, I think i thought it was yeah. cool yeah like yeah y'all y'all run the trick which i i run an lto and so that, i thought that was cool yeah, but it's a, fast a good go-kart man um but y'all just um you know y'all won he won a leather jacket this past year, uh, 2022, the Backyard Series, and that's a Reaper Series. And Reaper is, you know, a very hot topic in karting right now. And so, you know, with y'all winning a championship with that tire, you know, you know, with you having the data background, you know, just kind of you have a take on it. Um, I have a take on the Reaper tire or. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like it. You know, I, I like, you know. I like both tires. Uh, you know, I like the Maxis and I like the Reapers. Um, I think you have to do different things to them. Like with the with the Reaper, you know, you do have to work on the chassis more. You do have to make more mechanical grip. You know, you can't keep the chassis the same for for a Reaper like you do a Max. You know, I personally don't think so. Mm -hmm. I mean, can you be fast on a Reaper without changing it from a Max? Absolutely, but you're not going to get, you're not going to be as fast without making certain chassis adjustments to it. Um, I like the fact uh, on a Reaper where you, um, you can, you can cut the tire. Well, okay. So like if you go down to the racetrack, let's just say, and all your tires in the trailer don't want to run, right? You know how like you fix your tires and you're like, man, none, none of my tires are running today. Yeah. You can go down to, to the parts trailer, buy a new set, cut them, and you have just as good of a chance to be in the top five by the okay. end of the night on the same tires you just cut. I do think that I do think now, that is a cool thing of them. That is right. It is really cool, um, and and it keeps you a little bit more competitive. Like you don't never feel like you're kind of down and out. You're like, oh man, I just pulled this ace out of my pocket. We go to the parts trailer. Let's hustle a set of tires real quick, and I think I can get myself back in the game. Yeah. On the other side, though, like I do enjoy maxis because I do feel like sometimes maxis are a little bit more of a chess match, you know. Like for instance, we're going to the American Dream race at the end of this this uh, month, and I'm already preparing tires. I've yeah. already been preparing tires for, for a few weeks now, you know. And 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 the the thought process that goes behind that, and going, okay, what do I think I need? I look back at all the data that we ran at Triple T, you know through different scenarios, what's the weather going to be like, and all the stuff. And so it there's a chess match there, too. So there's there's pros and cons on both sides of the fence. I'm kind of in the middle. Like, some people yeah. really love Reapers. Like, oh, Maxis. And other people are like, oh, Maxis. You know, I'm kind of in the middle. I like both of them. You prepare. You, you, you got enough data to prepare for either one. Yeah, well, yes. And, and sometimes, you know, Sometimes you make decisions and they don't work out. Uh, yeah. But I, I feel like I'm comfortable enough in both of them where, you know, even if we run good or run bad, I, I don't feel like I'm out going to on either or, I guess. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm trying to. Oh, you're good. I'm like skipping three things. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you're not. No, you're not. Uh, what's the biggest difference that you see now compared to when you raced yourself? Uh, um, I think the biggest difference is back when I raced, I think it was more of a 
and I might be wrong. This just might be my perspective, and it might be skewed. Um, but it, it felt like there was more. It was more like father son racing, and five, and it was more father son teams. Mm-hmm. Now you had big teams, right? But it was more father sons, and and that's just how everybody raced. Everybody worked on their own stuff at the shop, brought into the racetrack, cross your fingers and hope for the best. You know, and you got support from like manufacturers and stuff like that. Where now there is a lot of big teams and a lot of um, a lot of you know you, you get big teams to prepare the go karts and you you know in in certain more aspects of it instead of you know, doing it at the shop you know with just father and son. So I think that's that's the biggest change for me because you know a lot of people say well the tire program's different you know yeah but we did a lot of stuff with tires before we did different things with the tires but I mean. The tire game was was the same, different but the same. Like I mean, in '95, I had Burruses in my trailer, uh, Dunlop <laughs> RM8s, R6s, R5s, Blue Maxis, Orange Maxis, <laughs> Run Down Blue Maxis. I had thick rubber Blue Maxis. I had, yeah, I mean, you know what I'm saying. So you had 30 sets of tires in the trailer, like it was then. It's just different. I just think it's it's a little bit more. Um, Corporate's not the right word, but you you have more bigger teams, which kudos like a, to them. You know they're they're making a living, and that's that's awesome. But you don't have as many small teams, you know, where it's like family teams. Like we were doing this as a family, and you go to the racetrack, you know. Yeah, yeah. You find that more on the local level these days, especially yeah. around where we're we're from. It's a lot of father son teams, or and there's even husband wife teams, you know. <laughs> Amazing, I mean, I absolutely. Because dude, it's that's man, that's what grows the sport, man. That's that's the the soul of it, you know. Mm-hmm. I think anyway, that's just probably. Oh no, I agree, one hundred percent. But um, so Skit, what do you think would be some good tips for a young Carter or someone just getting into the sport? Good tips. Um, be. I would say have a strong mindset. Be okay. Be accept failure. Failure is not a bad thing. Failure is the mother of success. You can't have success without failure. So, you know, I don't want to say welcome failure, but you almost have to, right? You know, you, you know, welcome the, the struggle, welcome the, the, the heartache of it because to have long-term lasting success, you have to have failure. There's no way around it. You can mm-hmm. you can earn as much money as you want to in this sport, okay? And you can defer the learning curve as much as you can. But sooner or later, that learning curve, curve is going to come. Yeah. And so what I say is just embrace embrace failure because every time you fail, man, that's just one step closer to getting a wrong file. And, and again, you know. Are you good? No, okay. Um, yeah, I, I, again, have a strong mindset, you know, be down with adversity, you know, every time you go to the racetrack, it's just as valuable. I know people don't like to listen, to it, don't like to hear this, but it's just as valuable to go to the racetrack and have a really bad night as it is going to the racetrack and having a really good night. Because in the really bad nights, you learn what not to do. You mm-hmm. know, if you go to the racetrack and you're five foot off. You're not going to the racetrack with the same set of tires. And I know it sucks, man. It's painful. But so is, man, if you want to get in shape, right, 
when you do push-ups, sit-ups, or you run a mile, your mu your muscles are going to burn and ache, burn and ache. But through the burning and the aching, that's how it rebuilds and gets bigger and stronger, right? Same thing in racing. Man, you have to have nights where you go a lot down. You have to have nights that you run in the back. You have to have those nights to be able to produce nights where nobody can touch you. You know, that's that's what I've kind of tried to to burn into Jack where, you know, be okay with sitting in the fire and going, all right, I'll take a few on the chin so I can learn how to do it. Kind of, kind of like how that saying goes, embrace the suck, you know? Yeah, that's, that's exactly. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Failure is one of the best tools in our sport for sure. Natural tool. Straight up. And people hate it. I mean, I hate failure. Look here. I hate oh, yeah. I hate losing. In the words of Billy Bean, I hate losing more than I want to win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there is value in that, man. And you just can't skip over it. And you just, you got to be willing to take it, man. If you, if you want to be successful, you got to take the hits and, and keep going. Yeah. You know? Learn from your mistakes. Absolutely. So, David, you know, we've talked about, you know, Heart uh, Speed Solutions, where it came from, how it started. Um, but what are your future goals, aspirations for, you know, whether it's Cart Speed or your son's racing career, but where can we see Cart Speed or your son's racing career in five to 10 years? Um, well, so it's funny. So, um, so cart speed currently, we are expanding and, and building a bigger shop. Um, I think we're going to start dabbling in a little bit of powder coating. Uh, cause I think I used to do powder coating way back in the day. It's pretty fun and I think it's enjoyable. So we're going to kind of expand in that just to, just to do that. Um, Jack is, uh, he really, enjoyed um uh, you know tearing apart an engine so randy garner and and cody garner uh god bless them because they took jack under their wing and and helped him disassemble and reassemble his clone motor Which, and yeah he really did that so um he yeah i think he wants to learn how to weld and i think he wants to start dabbling around with building things and maybe seeing how like chassis work and being a little more in depth with that um so uh hopefully maybe I can get him uh to be an intern, you know, at a at a at a chassis shop or something to kind of get him more in depth of that. Uh hopefully, you know, in five years he's off in college and getting a good education <laughs> that he can fly <laughs> to racing if he wants to. Um I hope cart speed continues to expand. I hope I really do feel like in in five years that race data is going to be commonplace. It's going to be one of those things where if you're not doing it, you may not, you shouldn't show up to the racetrack because it's going to be that prominent. Once people start, when it really starts, you know, grabbing on, people are going to realize what the power is. You know, kind of like what you were saying with the whole Southern video, like saving you from making bad decisions. It's going to be so prominent that you're going to have to be able to do it to some degree. Right. So, mm -hmm. I think that uh, hopefully car speed stays on the forefront of it. Um, Lord willing, it's, you, know, you never know what tomorrow might bring. You know? Yeah, so. absolutely. So, so do you think like a local level, like say somewhere in Louisiana or where, where we have Mojave and we'll have a big race maybe a few times a year. Do you think 
like people who do it for a hobby. You think in about five to 10 years, they'll, they'll have to get into the data and all that. Or you, you think they don't really have to worry about that and taking over in, in there, you yeah. know, cause I, I feel no, like I a, lot of, a, a lot, a lot of these people, they don't want to spend the extra money. You know, they do it for fun. They don't want to, you know, they're, they're there to have fun. Well, see, okay, so that's like the beauty of it, right? So you've already made your investment. If you bought yeah. a Micron 5, it's all there all, for you. It's already there for you, right? Yeah. And even at, even at the local level, you know, you're going to have to do it to some degree. And really, I mean, if you want to look at the bare bones for it, you know, you're already doing it to some level. Mm-hmm. You got it. Everybody owns a barometer, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, when you're looking at that data, you know, you're looking at stopwatches, that's data. You're looking at RPMs, that's data. So you're already looking at at, at race data like it is, you know, like anything else. You're going to have to expand. And the, the sport is going to grow in 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 the race data arena. You know what I'm saying? I guess yeah. you know what I'm saying? Is, so you're going to have to, you're gonna have to, to grow with it. You know, and I think in five years, I don't care if you're racing – locally or at a national level you're going to be doing it to some degree gotcha because like there's just so much information in in goodness you can get from like from not even looking at it from a chassis perspective from looking at it from just driver right like like if we went if i was doing track side support for you chance right yeah when you come off the racetrack you know i'm not looking at just the go-kart i'm looking at you as a driver going okay well you know Two out in three laps, you went in lower the turn one, and you gained a half a mile an hour. And when you went out wider coming out of turn two, you slowed down by a mile an hour. Your fastest line is this, this, and this. You know, we're looking at you know what area of the racetrack that you're that you're best at, what you're comfortable at. Like we'll pull out like split time reports, right? And I start looking at standard deviations between all the splits, and I locate the the area of the track that you're struggling as a driver with and just getting that information of knowing where to find grip and bites as a, just, yeah. just from the driver perspective, I mean, I think is going to, is going to, oh, it's just like chassis or anything else, man. Like if you went out and tried to run a straight rail free roller right now, I don't, I don't care if you're racing in Louisiana, California mm-hmm. or in the Bahamas. I mean, <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna win with it, you know yeah, no. I, that's kind of how it's going it's a natural evolution of you know and there's there's some things that you know like you talked about you know like the derometer is data you know and things of that nature but i think some people who you know don't look at is you know we all have a weather app on our phone it'll tell you how much humidity it'll tell you the temperature it'll tell you how what it feels like that's uh, that's other points of data that you can uh you know, put down on paper to where you start building up charts of races and you can go back. I think the biggest thing is having data and building that notebook of going back and be able to try and pull things from it. And, you know, it if you get bored enough and you get on a Micron 5 and you just start playing it, playing with it and start playing with the features, it'll tell you way more than just your three fastest lap times. It'll tell you more than your drop, your best RPM, your lowest RPM, your engine temperatures. You know, it I play with it. It'll tell you your mile an hour around. Obviously, it's not to your degree, but having being able to do that is is another just another key to, that can help. The, I mean, it 
what that thing can do is pretty amazing. It really is. Like, I mean, it's well coming from from my era of racing, where you know at the beginning, like there there wasn't no memory. You just had to look at the the tack right before you went off in the turn to remember <laughs> what the RPMs were. To like, okay, funny story. So when the Digitron came out, where it had the memory button on the side, I don't know if y'all remember that. Yeah, um, I do. That was like the Evolution attacks. So I was still in rookies at the time, and we got one at True Value Racing. And the very first practice, I ran off the back straightaway, just completely missed a turn and ran off the back straightaway. Just staring at it. was like, what are you doing? I was trying to hit the button. I was trying yeah. to hit the button to, 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 to you know, get the memory, whatever. And he was like, don't touch it. <laughs> That's awesome. But you know how the sport, you know, it has evolved from that to now – you're looking at a histogram of all your lap times and seeing, oh man, where did my tires come in? Where did they go off? You know, oh, my, I slowed down by two tenths in the last five laps of a run. Either A, I ran out of chemical, or B, you know, my tires were, were too soft to start overheating. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that, or my fastest laps came in the last two, three laps of a run. My tires are too hard. I need to go to something fresher. I need to wipe some more chemical. You know, just that information alone is is leaps and bounds ahead of where we were 20 years ago. I know? mean, and if you just go one generation behind the Micron 5, go to the Micron 4, we used to need a beacon in the infield to tell us, you know, that would split the time of like our lap times. And now everything's ran off a of GPS. You show up to a racetrack still, and as long as I still logged, need that. As, yeah, as long as it's logged into the, the, the track data that it knows exactly where you are. At, and I think that is so cool. Yeah, because you know, don't don't get caught with your knee in the way of that of your sensor on your cart because you ain't gonna <laughs> log no lap times or nothing. My dad screamed at me plenty of times for that. Put your damn knee down. It's <laughs> funny. So we uh we do this little rapid fire thing. It's uh five questions, you know, either or whatever comes first to mind, and uh we'll go ahead and get it started. So vanilla or chocolate? Vanilla. Clones or flatheads? Flatheads, man. I love a flathead. Winter. Yes. <laughs> Winter or summer? Can I say fall? I'm going to try to do fall. We'll go in the middle. We'll meet it in the middle. Fall. And then uh, NFL or college? NFL. Most of them. Good mind. And then uh, the beach or the mountains? Beach. Beach. Yeah. Solid. I love the mountains, man. But there's something about the ruin of the ocean. Oh, man. Awesome. You just sit out there all day underneath an umbrella in a little chair and just listen. Oh, man. That's like the best sleep you can have. <laughs> oh, yeah. You just make sure There's you a reason why I listen to wave sounds when I go to sleep. Yeah, I was about to say, sometimes <laughs> my wife will put on a, the this beach sound and on the TV with a black screen and just, like, listen to it when she go to bed. You sometimes, me and my wife, just get to away. We'll go to a hotel that's just down the street, but it's at the beach. Mm-hmm. And we sleep with the door open just here. that's awesome all right so we we usually ask two questions to pretty much every guest so i'll just get the first one started for you uh what's something you like about karting man um i like the the chess match of it yeah the behind the scenes the pairing the strategies the you know if you were slow this week or something didn't go right the the time between Break stage, race day going, okay, could it be this? Could it be that? You know, what can we do to fix it? 
that part of racing is something I really dig. That's a yeah. different answer. We 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 usually get uh the camaraderie, you know, which is a good thing, but that was something new. I, it's I a like different that aspect. Answer. It's definitely yeah, a different absolutely. aspect. It's something people don't think about. You know, it's sometimes you know, I think people sometimes people dread that and you know to enjoy it and embrace it is, is really cool to hear. The problem solving, I guess, is really what I should say. The problem solving oh. troubleshooting kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this is obviously the opposite of it. Uh, you know, what is something that either in right now you dislike or something you'd want to see change? Uh, kind of like what I said earlier, I, I, I would love for it to be, uh, you know, and, and again, I, I can't speak of how it is in, in other states, but, you know, more, more father, son, family racing, you know, more, you know, you know, the father and the son getting out in the shop and problem solving and figuring out what's going on with it. You know, let's say that doesn't happen, but it's definitely way less than it used to be. And that's part of the racing I miss, man. You know, where it's not, um, it's not, there's a place for big teams. And I'm not talking, you know, damn about big teams, but just, just the having the more of the, you know, father, son trying to figure out and trying to go fast more than what it is today and and we've kind of talked about that with guests. <laughs> yeah we, we've kind of talked about that with guests before you know your big teams have that national you know that national with you know the big money and stuff and then you have like your state level which is you get a mix of the lower big teams coming and mixing with your local guys and they're getting that experience and then you have your, your core local people you know and i feel like having those three groups and being able to move up into different ones when you're ready, instead of being, you know, fed to the wolves immediately, because that's all you have to race with is, is would be a really big step for us because we used to have something like that, but it's, it's definitely changed into just money chasing at this point. Yeah. Well, there used to be a whole, like you said, there was multiple levels. Like you started at a local track and then like, you know, your next step was let's go to a state race. Okay, mm-hmm. that's 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 like a case of like professionals, and then you went from a state race to a national. And that's know, the biggest you, of the big dogs, right? That's like okay, well let's let's see how we we you know stack up the people coming from Virginia, Georgia, Louisiana, Kentucky, you know, to see kind of where you sit at. But then you came back and you went back to your local racing. You know, the people that you race every week around you know a two hundred mile area of the house, you know, and you take that information from bigger races, get better at your local level. And, you know, not saying that anyone ever outgrows their local level, but once, you know, you get confident enough and build up, you know, you go to that state level and try to conquer the state level. And then you go to the national level and try and conquer that is, but it's all, it would be, I feel like it'd be better if it was all on your own time. And that was not like your, it wasn't kind of, you were forced to, to run against big names. Cause I feel like that's what happens a lot in this sport is people get discouraged and uh, they have trouble with, you know, they they have the wrong mindset and don't embrace the suck like we've talked about uh, and just get really, really discouraged. And I feel like that's a that's a big problem we have. Well, right. So racing is unique and I'll say car racing is unique. Well, any racing, but I'll speak from a car racing perspective is unique uh, more so than what um football or baseball or basketball because I don't know anything about baseball. But I can teach my son how to catch, how to throw a ball, and how to hit a baseball, right? 
Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about the strategy of, but I can at least prepare him to that point to go to go, you know, play little league or something. Yeah. Racing's not that way, man. Like there is no like, you know, it's not like it's not common knowledge to go like, well, you know, we need to go wipe a little more chemical on this tire, or we're gonna we're gonna take some cross out of it or put cross into it, you know, and this is the line you need to drive, and this is how you need to do it, and this is how you need to clean your clutch, and this is how you set your clutch, and this is you know how you change your gears and what gearing combination you use. It it's not it's not as common knowledge as some other sports are. Yeah. So when you get new guys coming in, it is extremely frustrating because most people will quit because they'll say, "Well, I'm you now all we're doing is just riding around by ourselves, Let's making laps and spending money." Yeah, yeah, spending a lot of money. Yeah, and I think <laughs> it's crazy enough just to tell someone to to grab it, a piece of rubber and and take chemicals and put them on there and you go faster. You know, I think that's that's a crazy concept in itself. And if, once they learn everything else there is to go kart racing, it's just even it's just even makes it a little bit more wild. It's a lot, man. It's a lot to learn in our sport. That's for sure. It, it is, and you know, man, you'll never know it all. And see, that's exactly the more you know, the more you'll realize you don't know the the. To know everything there is to know about racing is as vast the ocean. That's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Just when you get complacent and think you know it all, that's when somebody comes in and humbles you and lets you know that you don't know it all. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Somebody knows a little I've bit more than you. A few times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's see. So, um, you know, we've we've talked about it. But what's the biggest lesson that karting has taught you? Perseverance. Perseverance. Yeah. Perseverance, man. Yeah, and it's it's the truth, you know. It, well, you know, it even it even says it in the Bible, right? You, you know, um, Jesus even says, you know, in this world, you're going to have struggles. It's going to happen. You're going to struggle. Just know what's going to happen, and and getting getting the a strong mindset to know that that you're going to push through it regardless, you know? And if you push through it, the stronger, the stronger you'll get. And, 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 you know, it's just like gold, right? How do they purify gold? They put it in fire. What happens when they put it and heat it up and melt it down? Impurities come to the top, they scrape it off. That's how they purify gold. Same thing with you, you know, having perseverance, going through the fire, purifying and, and, and developing your skill. Mm-hmm. You know, in the in the sport, you know, tough tough times build uh, strong people. The way I like to look at it, absolutely. So you know, not only with you know cart speed, but obviously on your schedule with cart speed, but also with uh, with Jack and y- your personal racing with him. Uh, what are some big races that you got scheduled on the on the the calendar this year for the rest of the year? Um. Well, that's funny because this year, like so, last year I had the whole year mapped out. And I got really frustrated because with all the, excuse me, with all the rainouts and rescheduling, you know that that schedule went out the window. So this year I only scheduled it to June. So we right now are racing week to week. (laughs) (laughs) So the the next big race we have on our schedule is the American Dream, and I don't really know where we're going after that. Like for instance, this past weekend we went to Southern. Well, I had a trackside support job in Albemarle, um, but the customer had to cancel because he, he 
wrecked his go-kart and couldn't get a frame in time. Oof. So Wednesday we found out that that got canceled. So Jack was like, well, I want to go racing. So Thursday, all our stuff was in pieces. We went and picked up Wednesday evening parts and then put it together Thursday and Friday loaded the trailer so we could go racing Saturday. And, and and is that kind of tough sometimes? But it's it's a it's a blessing to be able to go racing with your son anytime you get it, I'm sure. But is it yeah. sometimes kind of tough to like rush it all together when when you when that happens? Yes, I like it. so I'm a little OCD. Like Randy Garner picks on me all the time because I'm like I'm very detail oriented. Yeah, that's how I learned to race. Going back to riding Childers, that's one of the things I picked up from him is every bolt on the go kart matters from a floor pan bolt. To, to, you know, the kingpin, all of it matters, right? So I'm very OCD on how the go-kart goes together, you know, make sure all the stuff is right because that's how I know how to be fast is you, you make sure all you dot, all your I's, you cross all your T's. So whenever we get in a situation where we're having to rush, I, yeah, I'm completely uncomfortable with that. <laughs> <laughs> will y'all, uh, will you, will you be at the Big O working with anybody next weekend or? No, we decided to take the Big O off this Gotcha. So, gotcha. Yeah, so we were planning on it earlier this year, and I decided to not go because I was like, you know what, if we go to the Big O, we'll probably be at the racetrack for like six weekends in a row. So I was like, you know what? A little break never hurt. We're going to take a break this year. Yeah, it never yeah. hurts to take a break and get a little get a little reset button, kind of. Yeah. So Jack, Jack wanted to run limited. Uh but I wasn't able to, to get him on a limited in time. So so I told him, if we take a break this year, next year I'll let him run. So, there you go. He was like, oh, I'm cool with that. He's got, he's going to be like, hey, get that limited as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah, he, he was cool with the negotiation. He was like, so if we don't go this year, we're for real going and running junior limited next year. I'm surprised he didn't make the sign. I was about to say, yeah, <laughs> sign, sign here, Dad, right here on the dotted line with the X next to it. Sign right here. <laughs> Don't read the top part, but we're going to Big O next year. <laughs> and yeah. make sure you sign it in blue ink. Yeah. That's funny. Well, uh, well, we'll start to wind down the episode a little bit right here. Uh, anyone you'd like to thank, man? Man, uh, number one, uh, Jesus, my Lord and Savior. Uh, without him, nothing's possible. Um, then I, after that, I'd have to thank my wife. Uh, the saying goes, man, behind every successful man is a good woman. Yep. And I truly believe I have the best one. You know, my wife is amazing. Um, I want to thank my dad and my mom, man. They, they really encouraged me to, uh, to follow what God's put on my heart. And they've been very supportive in that. Um, I feel like I have a really good supporting cast with good friends like Randy Garner and Austin Baker. Um, so uh, thanks to, to Chris Prince and Warren Smith and and Roddy Childers because without them, I don't know if I'd be this far into it. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, man, I, 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 there's so many people I could thank, and, and being on the spot now, I you know I know I'm missing a lot of names, but uh, but I'm truly appreciative of. Everyone that's that's that I've come across in this journey of racing. Everybody who believed you in uh, gave you a chance. Yeah, I'm truly thankful. Thank you. So, last question, David. I can't thank you enough. I'm sure Alex and Chance and Colton all feel the same for taking the time to come and sit with us tonight. 
I've absolutely. thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Probably top three, my personal favorite episodes. Yeah, get out of here. Uh, I know, sir. That was solid. But Killed it. Last question for the evening. Where can our listeners find Card Speed Solutions? Well, so the good thing about that is I didn't dig too deep in the creative barrel when I come up. So everything is just Card Speed Solutions. So we have a website, carspeedsolutions.com. <laughs> Our email is carspeedsolutions at gmail.com. Um, we're on Facebook. Um, so you can contact us uh, through the website, through Facebook. Um, we have our YouTube channel. Everything is Car Speed Solutions. Um, if you have questions, by all means, message me uh, or give me a call. I try to respond to everybody's messages uh, and try to uh, to to um, to help everyone that I possibly can. I'm gonna put emphasis on that YouTube because it has great great information on every single video you drop. Man, it's great. I feel like I learned something every time I watch a video. Okay, so I gotta ask you, are they funny? Uh, they they got some of your funny little clips, man. Some of them made me chuckle. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I think, and I think yeah, it's. I had a passion. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say, I think it's really so, cool that you. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we did that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a pastor one time tell me that the heart can only handle what the but can endure, right? And and so I kind of took that to heart because sometimes when you just put out technical info, you just kind of glaze over, right? Because it's mm-hmm. boring. Yeah. Sometimes it's not the prettiest or the sexiest thing to go over. So <laughs> I try to make them as entertaining as possible to keep people engaged. It, you yeah. also kind of like the way you explain it, it, it makes sense, man. Because some people can just say some really technical stuff and it's just like gets jumbled. You, you actually like, lay it out and you make it follow. make sense yeah that's what i like about it I, I like me and my dad were on the road this weekend and i he never heard of you and i told him about it he's like oh i'm gonna have to check that out i was like you're gonna love it because my, my dad loves everything about setups that's that's his favorite part of racing oh man i think it's pretty cool that you like you know not only like the little movie clips and stuff like that but you incorporate uh, you know, racers from around the country and, and put like them in there. I thought that was really cool. Dude, straight up. So, so the next time I make a video, you guys are going to be, you're going to make a clip. Yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It. Straight up, man. That'd be cool. Just because, let us know. It, man, it's, I, don't know, I just have a good time making these videos. I really do. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's so fun because I, I, I find myself laughing at myself. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And, and that's the good thing, man. When you're having fun is it doesn't feel like work. You know, it's that that's the that's the biggest thing behind it. Keeping the fun in it. Dude, straight up, man. And, and I also understand the other aspect of, you know, not knowing. I, I know what it's like to be at the racetrack and not know what to do, not know, you know, what adjustment to make, you know, know where to go. So I relate very well to that situation. So just trying to make racing easier for everybody. Definitely. Really is what it comes down to. That's awesome, man. You're doing a great job and, and we really appreciate it, man. It's uh it's it's awesome to see, you know, somebody step up and do that for the carding community. And uh we, we really appreciate you coming, cut some time out and, and talking with us. And uh we we've thoroughly enjoyed it, man. We we like I said, we we really appreciate it. Yeah. Hope to see you around yeah, sometime, man. Hey, la- last question. What's up? Are there cart speed solution shirts that we can find? 
Dude, okay, so check this out. So um we we just got a new shirt vendor uh that's gonna go live I think within the next week or so where the uh, the shirts are gonna be um made to order. So when you when you order them, they'll make them right then. And we're gonna come up with different sayings uh for the shirts. Like one of the ones I want to put on the back of them is keyboard racer. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's a good one. Um, so, so yeah, so it's going to be on our website, uh, next week, I think is when it's going to go live. Um, so it's going to be a link on our website by all means, buy shirts. I very much appreciate it. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll be ordering one. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Me too. So we, uh, like I said, we, we appreciate you coming to cut some time out on this Monday night, especially with it almost, with it being past 10 o'clock for you on the East coast, man, we, we greatly appreciate it. We've all had a. A really good time doing this. Well, cool deal, man. I really, I really appreciate you guys inviting me. Yes, sir. Thank you. Take care, man. Well, take it easy, man. Hope to see you sometime. Yeah, man. By all means. Absolutely. amazing interview this was probably one of my favorite guests to come on and sit down with us and talk technical side of carding i mean anything carding but just the detail and everything that david went through going from his start to now yeah man i mean i'm i'm not the most te- you know obviously ethan with his engineering degree he he's very technical with things and, and colton he he loves you know hands-on stuff and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hands-on, but I like, you know, I'm more of a driver. The, know, the word to describe what I am right now was, will just live in the group chat. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it was really, it was really cool for him to, uh, to go so in depth on the technical side that that doesn't really get a light shined on and is kind of overlooked in our sport to where they don't think that we are, it's it's a technical sport like it is, and he's able to shine that light. And he he did tonight, man. It was awesome. He's he's bringing the data acquisition and like the the engineering aspect to us for the first time, really. You know, yeah. Like and, in in on a computer, he's able to analyze it. You know, that that's just very interesting. And, and I know a lot of people are worried about that and the cost, of, but I honestly don't don't think it's going to be as bad in the future as they're, you know, I feel like a lot of people are just thinking the worst immediately. Once it becomes more available and I, I yeah. feel, you know, once I mean, it's more like, common, like you said, all you need is a micron five and you can do 90% of it yourself. You yeah. know? So, I mean, it's just got, you just got to learn it, you know, and you got to kind of accept it and not be caught in your old ways. Cause I know sometimes there's, you know, people who have been in this for long. Oh, you don't need that. Oh, you don't need all this and stuff like that. You you keep it traditional, you, you'll be fine. Yeah. But I and, mean, and it, it's something new, you know, it's like it's kind of intimidating to learn that on your, you know, to me, I it's think kinda, that, that's a big part of it. 
to me, it's kind of one of those things though, is like, I'd rather not need it and have it than need it and not have it, you know? Yeah. I got so you. It's uh, it's definitely cool. It's definitely innovative and it's, 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 it's awesome to me. Absolutely. But guys, uh, we hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. Uh, we have, uh, we're going back to our hometown for, well, not hometown, but our home state for next week's guests. Uh, really excited to bring it to you. He is, uh, you know, Mr. Uh, Mr. CeeLo, uh, you know, and we, uh, we will catch you guys next week, but, uh, y'all have a good one and, uh, we'll holla at y'all. Take it easy, everyone. Holla. And good, good luck, luck, everyone at the big O.